Hey podcast listeners, this is Todd Finley, the founder of HBCU Grad. On this episode, we talk to Dre and Brittany Wiley, the founders of Magna Wine Boutique. They have a wine boutique in Northeastern Ohio. I think it'll be a really good episode. It gives you some insight into an HBCU grad and her husband, uh, what it takes to build a business as a couple. And we get into some, um, some really good things. So hope you enjoy. All right, today we have Brittany and Dre Wiley of Magna Wine Boutique. How are you guys today? Hi, thank God. We are good. We're ready to open. We are fantastic. Real excited. Awesome. Awesome. So what HBC do you guys go to? I went to the Central State University in Wilberforce, Ohio. Okay. Okay. <laughs> now, now tell me about that experience. My experience at Central State was one like no other. I tell people that are looking for college right in that, you know, 16, um, 17 year old range that are trying to decide which college to go to or even trying to decide if they want to go to an HBCU or not an HBCU, um, that it is really about what you make it. If you go to any college, especially HBCU, you're always going to get thrown at you know, in different directions and different obstacles and challenges your way. So go in there, focus, and your HBCU journey will be amazing. Mine was absolutely amazing. I actually went to Central State not knowing anyone, which was very hard for me because all of the people that I, you know, knew on the yard, they had a friend that, you know, they knew from high school or, you know, they grew up around the corner from them, and I didn't have that. So I instantly had to make connections. What really helped me was that I tried out for the cheerleading team that spring prior, so April of 2006. And when I found out I made the squad and that, you know, they gave me some athletic scholarship, I just knew Central State, of course, was was where I was going. So I kind of had a leg up from any other students that came in in my same situation that did not know anybody as well. I was able to get to campus early, go to cheer camp, uh, meet everybody on my team and have friendships before school even started. Um, and that definitely was was beneficial. Did you visit Central before you went? I only visited to go try out for cheerleading. I visited a few <laughs> times. So. Yeah, I mean, I only visited just to try out for cheer, and I was there for a week. Cheer trials were a week long, and thank goodness it was over uh, my high school's spring break, so I was mm-hmm. able to uh, But it was Monday through Friday, and I came back home that Saturday. Um, they allowed to stay on campus during that time. So you really got to see, you know, the campus life. It was almost like the, you know, older cheerleaders, they were like babysitting you for a week as you were making out of trouble. Um, so that was actually my first visit. Um, I did not at that time tour a ton of different colleges. I knew I wanted to go to HBCU. I knew I wanted to stay in state. Um, I'm from the uh, Northeast Ohio area. I knew I wanted to do that. And um, their only options were, of course, Wilberforce and Central, but I knew I wanted to go public, so Central State was the best option for me. I definitely looked at other HBCUs, um, and again, I knew I wanted to, I had to go to HBCUs because my high school was far from that. I was the minority the whole entire time. It was just me. Um, I was the only person that looked like me um, in, in school, so I wanted to make sure I went to HBCU and pretty much got the best of that experience. Now, when you went there, did you realize that a lot of people were came, coming from the same type of backgrounds that you were? Because that's what I experienced. I went to FAMU and I realized like, wow, a lot of people come from the same kind of minority experience that I experienced. I think it was like 25 percent, I would say. About a quarter of the students came from my same background. Um, other 75 percent or even 80, 85 percent did not. Um, at Central State, they heavily recruit from Columbus, Cincinnati. Cleveland, um, Detroit, Michigan, of course, um, and just really like in the Midwest, Chicago, or something in Chicago, um, but they really didn't recruit from, you know, super duper Midwest, like Nebraska, and <laughs> recruit from there, um, and, not, you know, California, super, super West Coast, um, so I did notice that I a little bit um, of the students that I came in with in 06 did, but for the most part, not a lot of people were like me at Central. 
Right, right. Makes sense. Makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, definitely made me the woman I am today, you know, being able to uh, be in a room with any and everyone, no matter the age, race, sex, sexual orientation, anything like that, and be able to be a chameleon to everyone and be able to be a great businesswoman because you can adapt to almost any environment. Right. So I was coming out in 06. Mm-hmm. And the only reason I joined social media because a friend of mine said, you know, it's someone that I think you should meet. So go on MySpace. So that's how I even got introduced to social media. Ooh, that's, how I did- <laughs> that's how I got That's how you My date yourself. You date yourself. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So. Cheerleader and I DM'd him around know his DM at that time. Um, and God rest KG's soul, but he, you know, DM'd me back and said, you know, yeah, I'm a cheerleader and send me on the date. That's how I got to Central State. My space. Wow. Wow. That, that's a that's a amazing. Now, so what so how did social media play a part in your college life? Because with social media being so early in the game. Right. It was just, you know, beginning beginning to be a thing, beginning to be mm-hmm. a phase like Facebook. You know, when I was going in 06, it just came out, I remember. And it, you could only get on Facebook unless you had a college email address. Right. And now, and now you know, everybody has it. That's definitely not a thing anymore. But I honestly think that no one knew back in you know early 2000s that social media would be this and i'm so glad it wasn't this when i was in college i would have i feel like that's just another one of those challenges another one of those things that is going to be thrown at you um i mean i actually um have been a professor at cleveland state a few years ago for a few years and noticing that when i'm lecturing kids on instagram and social media we didn't even have that option. I mean, I remember in my freshman year, some people didn't have cell phones. Like it, was, yeah. <laughs> it yeah. wasn't a thing. It'd be yet. an inhibitor, definitely. Right. So I think it would have been more of an inhibitor. Um, mm-hmm. and Central State is so small. You really don't need social media to stay in contact with with your with your friends on the yard. You know, it's not on not on the dorm room. Right. One. So. Right. Dre, how did y'all meet? <laughs> Which story do you want? <laughs> I want your story because you know the stories are always going to be different, you know? You know that, man. You know that. I'm going to be side eye if I tell my story. She tell her story. I'm going to be over here like, really? <laughs> so, short story. And we met at a business event. It was okay. a happy hour meetup, you would call it, right? Yeah, it's like a network. it's a networking happy hour. It's a networking event, yeah. <laughs> and um, I was not there to network at the time. I was actually there to celebrate my father's birthday. No, I'm not me, my mother, my father, my aunt, my oh, cousin, <laughs> all came to this cocktail lounge just to hang out, have some fun, celebrate his birthday. Mm-hmm. Really, nobody in there. I guess you came earlier. There yeah. were a lot of people, and everybody yeah. kind of ventured out, and it was just pretty much me, my family, and there, and a couple of my friends. And I was still in their network, apparently, just <laughs> like I do now. Yeah, she was there with one of her family members, and, <laughs> and I remember, you know, talking to one of my guys, and I'm like, hey, man. Like that girl right there, that's who I want. Like I'm about mm-hmm. to try to talk to her and, and see what happens. And and I mean, immediately when we met, we talked about nothing but future, marriage. What are you looking for in a partner? I mean, this was back in 2010, 11. Yeah, yeah a long so, time. So <laughs> I mean, this was like the conversations we were having weren't normal conversations that you would have with other people on social media. When you would DM somebody or right, whatever, flat. you know. So we I was, yeah, we talked <laughs> on the dance floor while dancing. We were dancing. All the time, they were coming up to that. By this time, by the time we got on the dance floor, you know, it was everybody was celebrating that birthday. So it was yeah. drinking, hanging yeah. out, and they were coming to me. Hi, I'm yeah. like, hey. So she was <laughs> my my mother, my father, <laughs> my husband, all in the first night. Yep. <laughs> right. <laughs> Oh yeah, it was incredible. They must have liked me. I, I, I would say <laughs> still that they here, did. Yeah. And um, you know, when we left, we kept in touch. We figured out we, we actually found out we stayed like two or three minutes away. Yes, from each other. we did. We both were living so, in our yeah. first apartments. Mm-hmm. Ever. So in 
two, three minutes. I went yeah, to the two, three minutes. So, I mean, it all worked out. And I've never, you know, shared a conversation with a woman that was on that level. So, right. and it was amazing. She's still amazing. She's going to forever be amazing. Okay. So, I'm really happy that we met, <laughs> you know. Brittany, was the first dinner over wine? Uh, no. I'm going to put my husband out there for our first dinner day. Because he's going to go there. I'm like, yes, it was. He was like, you want to go get something to eat? I'm thinking, okay. Through so a text message. That took mm-hmm. <laughs> that is a day. Now, to this day, you. he's like, no, we just got something to eat. I was thinking about you. Are you hungry? Yeah. You want to go grab something? Yeah, you're right. So him grabbing something to me, I was like, okay, thanks. And um, it was B&M's, right? Yep, a barbecue spot. You know me. You know B&M's. Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> yeah, you know B&M's. <laughs> yeah. You definitely know B&M's. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't think there was any wine. I can't remember that. Oh, I was just hungry. You were just hungry. Like, really? <laughs> <laughs> But it turned out to be our first dinner, I guess you did. It was our first dinner. So, you will take right. it. Oh, man. I can't, I can't <laughs> lay that one down. I <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Dre. You know, I just had to ask. I, I just wanted to know, man. Were you hungry? Do you want to grab something to eat? I'm feeding. He has since redeemed himself, Todd, though. I actually can say that. We have date night several times a week. And mm-hmm. it could be a place like a barbecue spot. Mm-hmm. It could be just us hanging out, you know, making dinner and having wine at home. It could be a fancy restaurant, a winery usually. Um, so we have date night, you know, a lot. And I think that is something that a lot of people forget. It doesn't have to be a date night that is you spend $100, $200, $300 no, on. It could be a $5 date night as long as you're having date night and you're um, making sure that you're giving that time to your significant other. So, yeah, we definitely have a lot of date nights now. And they're, not, they're not all... Being, although we love being in there. Shout out to that. <laughs> if the food is good, yeah. If the food is good, we'll go. Okay. Okay. Sounds good. Sounds good. Now, so you guys both had your apartments when you guys met, your first apartments. What were you both of y'all doing professionally at the time? Oh, you go first. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <sighs> I don't even want to think about them times. <laughs> so right. Like, <laughs> I tried to tell him, like, those days are over. He's yeah. working 12 hour shifts, like six to six. I'm mm-hmm. telling you, so you go ahead, sorry. Yeah, so <laughs> I was a, what's called a machinist tech. Okay. Over in Solon, Ohio. So okay. Time, I was working a lot of long shifts, the graveyard shifts, 6 p.m., 6 a.m. Um, but it was very good, man. Were time. you at Swage Lot? Huh? Were you at Swage Lot? Yes, I was at Swage yeah. Okay. Did you did you hear the story about Swage Lock about the woman that is the nephew of the person that started it? And a couple years ago, she popped up on Forbes as a billionaire. Yeah. Yep. 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 I heard that. But if you're working there, I guarantee that it would take you what three or four lifetimes to ever even yeah. see. <laughs> right. I mean, I was so happy to get out of there. Uh, Ever since then, my ambitions have been very high. I just right. man, the boxes, the walls. I don't, I don't do well in that environment, so I'm glad I got out. Right, right. What about you, Brittany? So I was underwriting at Chase, so basically financial analyst, um, mortgage underwriting, so analyzing credit, asset, income um, for, of course, you know, JP Morgan, the one of the largest uh, banks in, in the world. Um, and shortly after we met, um, I started to dive more into the spirits industry. Um, and I've always been in it, whether it was hospitality, restaurants, bars, things like that. But as soon as I had graduated college, I had just turned 21 and I was modeling. I was doing a lot of like print commercial things like that. And I remember somebody had told me like, well, you know, while you're trying to like, you know, get your face out there, get more gigs, you could do what's called like promotional modeling for different spirits, brands, things like that. It pays good money. Mm-hmm. Um, so a friend of a friend got me on with about this first company and it just had snowballed from there. And I ended up working for, um, Moet Hennessy and a few months after that brought Dre on. So both of us in early stages of yeah. our relationship were, you know, 
building that brand, the Moet Hennessy brand in Belvedere. and did that for a few years um, until I was able to um, do something like that in the same spirits industry full time a few years later. So when you all first thought about starting your own, how, like, how were the first, like, what were the first thoughts about? Was it saying, hey, there's money in this industry? Yeah. I can say that it, and Drake can elaborate, but I have literally like one quick snippet for that um, because it just resonates with us. We have spent years, almost basically a decade, building other people's brands, specifically other people's spirits brands. Why not build our own? This is what we enjoy. We love spirits, hospitality, wine, um, wineries. We've been to over you know, hundreds of wineries all across everywhere. Yeah. Um, and we just knew that was always our, our always our direction. So, you know, just working really hard, saving and things like that to be able to build our dream. Um, there are, are no investors in Magna, Magna Wine Boutique, Bedford, Calvin Falls, or the Magna Wine Collection. It is Dre and I and our hard work and the passion for the industry and the passion for just wine in general. Um, and it's something that we really hold true and near to our heart. But my little short snippet was we spent 10 years <laughs> building other spirits brands. I'm going to build my own. We spent a long time long developing time. a Develop craft yeah. that did not help us. In yeah. any way, shape, or form. It helped companies that were already <clears throat> gazillionaires. You know, yeah, at, it, at that I mean, point. it could help bring food to your table, feed your family. Absolutely. But if you ever want to go beyond that, which is having that chain effect, that that generational thing, it, it will never, ever be that. If you continue to work and toll away and learn so many things for other people, sometimes you have to take what you're doing and your time and invest that back into yourself. Right. Now, now, how do you save money? How do you get to a point where you feel like, hey, I can start my own thing? Is it living off of one salary? Is it taking 10 percent and putting it to the side? What was y'all strategy? We work a lot now and definitely before. There were times where I will have three jobs. She would have three, you know, but it would be like, hey, I will have two of them. Businesses mm-hmm. plus my, my, my nine to five. Yeah. She would have two of her own, three of her own, plus her nine to five. Yeah. And we've constantly kept up that same momentum and that carried us into our first. Mm-hmm. Um, that, and, I mean, what we do together, so many businesses mm-hmm. we did together, whether it be real estate mm-hmm. or. or um, yeah, so we have invested in real estate. Instructing. Yes. <laughs> so many different things. Yeah. Tractor, so I did that on my own for a few if years. There's a pocket <laughs> or an avenue. Explore. Yeah. If it's beneficial to us, we'll keep going. Yeah. Until we reach the next level, and then we'll drop off of that for a second, get some yeah. of our time back, and then get back on the grind. And all of those things we continue throughout our, you know, throughout our lives. Mm-hmm. Any business that Dre and I have ever uh, opened or executed, we still do it, but just maybe not in the larger capacity that we started it in. Um, there's so many, so many different things. I mean, I'm a certified wedding planner. Um, and ministers, I can perform weddings, I can I plan weddings, all those things, but not in the large capacity I was doing before. I can still do those things. It's just a smaller amount of my time, maybe ten percent. You know, during spirit oil a lot. Those things, once you get everything rolling, run on their you know their own. Yeah. You know, you get an order, you got it ready, you ship it out. Um, so certainly yeah. that um, almost like all the, the businesses that we have run on their own now. Our real estate, we invest in real estate. Um, so we're landlords. We're landlords by like. 25. So just things like that, taking into consideration how you earn more, invest more, but don't go out buying Gucci Fendi Prada and, uh, you know, basically living within your means is is what Dre and I do now. Does that mean that we live in the same house we did when we were 25 and we are now? Absolutely not. You know, you definitely grow and you develop and you do level up, but within your own means. Yeah, you have to grow inside of a bubble. Right, grow inside of your own bubble that you can make sure that, especially having a partner, that you're able to understand and communicate what you're looking for, you know, what your budget is. Like, my MBA is in finance, so I know some numbers in accounting and finance. So, basically, making sure that we are, you know, a budget, um, investing while saving, and making 
can come and bow. I mean, at one time I was, of course, at Cleveland State, professor of business. John Carolyle was their cheer um, and dance teacher, so their spirit coordinator for the whole entire university. Um, mm -hmm. I was working my full time job. So, and, and none of that was hard for me. I'm, I like to do stuff. I don't like to have time like, you know, oh, I got Monday night off. Like, no, I'm filled with something. I'm going to like it and I'm going to get paid for it. Never do anything that you are good at for free. No, just do what you're going to so get true. a check. How, how important is it to do things that you love? Oh, 100, 110 it is invaluable. It's invaluable. I talked to my soror today that, you know, people need to become an entrepreneur, and I know that it's not that easy. I said, and she doesn't know what she wants to do. I said, don't listen to the peanut gallery. What you need to do is find out what you love. If you wake up every day doing what you love, it won't feel like work. You won't feel burdened. You won't feel like, ah, oh, dang, I gotta shoot off these emails. If it's something that you enjoy, you love, it's your passion, it, it, I mean, you can get quick money anywhere, but is that gonna be what keeps you going? Is that going to be why you wake up in the morning? So why for us is just something so fun that brings people together and of course, enjoy responsibly and drink in moderation. However, when you are enjoying responsibly, it's always, you know, enjoyable you're with someone you might be by yourself watching your favorite show but it's just something where we say all the time we've never seen someone argue over a ball makes sense do you always <laughs> drink on the job dre absolutely no we have to job. take it it's our job, job to take it. <laughs> our, <laughs> um, our opening is tomorrow our soft opening is um well tomorrow and then uh, brand opening the next day. So this whole week, um, our porters, our reps have been in just training our staff on on regions, on wine. And of course, when you um, are training, you definitely taste. Now, we always have spittoons, which are just uh, dump buckets, basically. So you can taste, squish, dump. Um, but absolutely, we absolutely taste every single thing that comes into our so store. If I don't have a glass in my hand, I'm doing my job. <laughs> right. I don't agree. What a glass. Yeah, and we practice too. Like when we um, close up for the day, we'll say, "All right, honey, what are we gonna have for dinner tonight?" Um, if we're like, "Okay, I'm gonna do some stuffed chicken," then we go through our shelves together, pick a bottle of wine, buy it. So I always tell people, buy from your own business, purchase it, take it home, chill it, um, and we practice what we're eating, what we're preparing it with. We practice tasting yeah. notes. You're constantly learning wine. It's so it's much. every evolving. So mm -hmm. I call Chardonnay two weeks ago, and I had it from one specific region from one uh, specific winemaker in that specific vintage. It completely changes week to week depending on what I have. So typically throughout a week, I'm trying through 50 to 75 different wines. Mm -hmm. And that's on the low end. Mm -hmm. The was over 100, depending on how many wines I'm ordering that week, what we're all sampling, what yeah. we're trying. Um, I mean, it's, it's chaos wrapped inside of something that's so peaceful. Which is why, yeah, right? If you don't do with the glass, then how could you ever trust me to keep the wine out? <laughs> right. Because I go to a library and I see the library look it doesn't look right. It's a bad look. Mm -hmm. She's on the internet. Like. Yeah, she on her phone googling something. Like no, I want a book. I want a book. <laughs> Makes sense. Now, it's amazing how things can be so serendipitous and. I was, I think I was listening something, listening to something yesterday, and it talked about how some of the best value wines are reds from Portugal. Can you speak to reds from Port Portugal? We love them. I love. Them. <laughs> just for I think, in layman's terms, when you go to small batch vintages, a small batch of state grown wine which means that there's a farmer, there's wine, there's grapes, you're yielding your harvest, it's low human interference. It doesn't see a lot of chemicals added to it because they're not technically trying to make large profits. They're trying to produce a product that's really an art form. And you want to have that wine speak to exactly whatever that winemaker wants it to be. So yes, the best value wines always come from smaller estates. Yeah. 
we call that farm not factory mm -hmm. or craft versus commodity. So the wines that we feature are, like Dre said, craft. There's yes. someone's grandmother. There's a farmer actually individually hand harvesting those those grapes. Um, so when you go to maybe a region that is all about mass production, you do lose quality. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I love the port. And then when you speak to personal opinions, people have a wide range of opinions. They can think that a wine is good just because it's expensive. Or it's good just because it came from a specific region, yeah. or it's good because it came from a specific winemaker. None of that really tells you what's in that glass. What's in that glass is if you like it or you don't like it. Mm -hmm. I can give you suggestions. And that's all wine really is, is a suggestion. I could suggest that you age this bottle 10 to 20 years. Mm. at 45 degrees, 50 degrees, whatever the case may be, eat it with chicken, eat it with steak, does not matter. If you want to have it with barbecue on a hot summer day, then that's your prerogative. You got nothing to do with it. As long as you like it. As long as you Go like for it. it. <laughs> okay, Dre, I'm um I'm a guy that has a very, very immature palate. Okay. okay. I'm a chicken tender pop tart guy. Like that's how immature it is. Okay. <laughs> So the chicken tenders, the dinner, the pop tarts, the dessert, or the yes, yes, <laughs> you know, or sometimes you know. <laughs> but I drink Hennessy. Okay, okay. I drink plenty. <laughs> we, got, we got a wine. We got a wine for for time. We, we got a wine. I do. I do. I have something in mind for you. What would you suggest for me? I would suggest a port. I would probably say uh, a tiny port. Uh, which is a 10-year-age port. Um, it has a good grip and bite to it. It should remind you a lot of a cognac. It's a wider, um, brandy, uh, fortified wine, which mm -hmm. is what it is. And then we have another wine here called Cask Bourbon Chardonnay, which is Cask as a winery out in Geneva, um, who just recently opened up maybe within the last two years. And what they do is they bourbon barrel age Chardonnay uh, out of Kentucky barrels. And they do this process, I want to say, yeah. Um, mostly in like used oak, so it's a very soft touch to it. And as soon as you open up that bottle, you crack it open, you smell it, um, smell that bourbon. You know, once it gets into your palate, you kind of switch your line a little bit. You can taste all the bourbon notes in that bottle. Yeah, I definitely recommend that. We mm -hmm. recommend that for any um, person that has a palate that enjoys the taste of a bourbon, you know, yeah. a good whiskey, a good scotch, mm -hmm. a good cognac, a good brandy. Send them right to the bourbon chardonnay. Next thing you know, they're like, I, I drank that in two days. I'm yeah. like, great. Come and back, get it. Keep in mind that your palate has no timetable. No, right. I can give you wines for the next week and you'll be an experienced wine drinker. Mm -hmm. I mean, you'll be able to start making up notes, yeah. smells. It's all about practice. It's all about practice, really, at the end of the day. So within a week or two weeks, you'll be drinking some of the toughest red wines you can stomach. Mm -hmm. Right. Now, I know how to practice when it comes to basketball. I know what to tell my son <laughs> what to do. How do I practice with wine? Tell me, like, do I put my whole nose in there? Do I yes. you know, walk me through it? It is different between wines. Okay, so with the nice, hearty red wine, let's take a Cabernet Sauvignon. Okay, so you want to dip your entire nose in the glass. Mm -hmm. and then you inhale. With the white wine, you want to kind of find your range. Because okay. the scales are a little softer. But as you're eating and you're drinking at the same time, try figuring out what's in that glass. Try doing smell first, sight. You want to see what's in that glass. You want to see if the red's a ruby color or if it's, you know, more of ox blood. And then that can give you a, a, a distinction on what kind of grape that may be if you don't know what's on that glass, um, what's in that bottle, I should say. But sometimes when you read the labels of bottles, it'll tell you exactly what's in that glass, and you could just kind of use that as your cheat sheet. It all depends on how you learn. You know, some people practice basketball by putting up shots. Some people like to study film. You know, it's all about how you like to learn and how you retain information. Yeah, and that's a really good point. Mm -hmm. In my teaching career, I thought people uh, learned the best from all the different types of learning. So, of course, like I said, the studying, the yeah. visual the site or like lecture, so I used to do games. Um, and that has carried me a, a long way when I'm teaching or training like our staff. We try to make things fun, make learning fun. Now you do have 
that those types of human beings that don't like fun and they want to read a book and they want to study like that on their yeah. own in a corner. But I know for my most of my success came from making learning fun. So we have little like wine, no card games and things like that. Um, you know, just fun things. Or when I'm training, I may just ask, do you mind remember, you know, this? And people, you know, feel really good when they're able to shout it out because it helps them remember, helps them retain. And of course, like Gary was saying, tasting wine. So, you know, do a wine tasting. Um, we recommend uh, people that come in and they still want to keep things close and, you know, close knit at home. Get a couple bottles of wine or invite your closest two friends over. Tell everybody to bring two different types of, you know, varietals of wine. And then you each taste it. That doesn't mean taste through a few glasses of each. I mean, literally taste it. You don't need much wine to mm -hmm. taste and practice, mm -hmm. which I think is a misconception. Yeah. Um, we have so many just cork bottles of wine or cork and bottles of wine at home because we take them home to practice. And then we look around like, I wish it wasn't covid -y because we could have people over here drinking this wine and just yeah. sitting here. So, so <laughs> many opportunities to try the wine right now in today's day and age. With the pandemic that you alluded to, there's a big influx of wine drinkers now. A lot of people want to come out, want to learn more wine mm -hmm. because over these last, you know, eight or nine months or so, they started buying more wine. Yeah. And then exactly. I just bought a wine. They said, ooh, this tastes good. But, you know, the next one I had was, was, was too dry. I wonder why, where it's different regions. So they want to learn a little bit more, like why when I bought this, you know, wine out of Napa, California, does it taste different from the South American wine I got from Chile? Right. But it's the same grape, I don't understand. So it makes them want to dive deeper into what, what wine truly is, which is an experience. Right. Um, it's not really to be, um, you know, inhaled. You don't do it like a shot. You want to really try <laughs> through people do. that glass. Hey, exactly. Like, why do you shoot your wine? Every sip is a different note. <laughs> You leave a glass on the table for five minutes, it tastes different from 15 minutes on that same Absolutely. table. It's a lot of things that uh, impact wine. So you really want to try through the way that you feel is best. You know, if you want to read about it, then read about it. There's nothing wrong with Googling. No uh -huh. Now, us cognac drinkers, we hold the glass right here. <laughs> I like that. social settings yeah. when you're drinking wine. So you'll find those people who kind of just let it hang and dangle here like it's a cobbler or something. And you just want to <laughs> you just want to rest your hand and use this as a rest for your hand here. You know, you don't want to just ever slip too much. That way you can always sniff and taste the wine at the same time. Okay. Okay. Makes sense. What's that? We're gonna learn a lot today. <laughs> right, right. Now talk to me about prop <laughs> Talk to me about the proper way, Brittany, for women. Let's say if they're out in a social setting, they have lipstick. Tell me about some different things to make sure that they don't have lipstick stains around the glass. Talk to me a little bit about the proper decorum and drinking wine while you're out. I only have two suggestions. And other than these two suggestions, there's nothing you can do. So someone <laughs> taught me a trick a long time ago to make sure you don't have your lipstick at like the I don't know, the rim of your lips, like the bottom and the top. And mm -hmm. if that happens, this, it sounds really crazy, but stick your finger in your mouth like this. It pulls out everything from here. So when you're sipping on your glass, thank you, love And so when you're sipping on your glass, what actually touches the glass is not your whole lips. It's literally just here and there. So, mm. like I have my lip color right now. It's a little, it's light, but there's nothing on there. Right, right. And two is wine proof lipstick. Um, very wine-proof lipstick, but it doesn't have to be ours. It doesn't have to say a wine-proof lipstick. You have to find, um, ladies, a, a lipstick or a lip stain that stays on that is only as, that's waterproof, um, that is removable when you get home, whether it's with makeup wipes or makeup removers. Um, the lipstick I use is from Navari Cosmetics, and it is fantastic. I put that on. It does not go over the whole day. You know, my glass doesn't look Rose, uh, I've been in restaurants or wineries or even worked yeah. in restaurants or wineries 
where you get the worst thing is giving a woman or a man a glass and there's still lipstick on it because as you That's know so most true. restaurants yeah most restaurants they just send it through the washer mm-hmm. and yes a lot of restaurants they may polish them but say for example you're not in a restaurant that polishes or you just have a careless server that will turn you off you don't even want to drink the wine anymore even with the new glass so i definitely tell it to be mindful of you know your lipstick if you have a creamy gloss it's going to be in your glass not only does that throw it off, but it throws off your experience. Uh, if you haven't noticed, like, you know, Instagram, things like that. People want the experience. They want to take their picture. I don't want to take a picture of my wine glass and my lips are all over <laughs> That does not make a good picture. So, ladies, find <laughs> a good lipstick or lip gloss that doesn't go anywhere. Lip stain or do the finger trick. Now, I've never heard of wine-proof lipstick. Do you guys have a website where somebody could get that, maybe? Um, Navari Cosmetics is where I get mine from. Um, okay. we, have, we have our own as well. Um, and we're going to get more in, but I would absolutely recommend Navari Cosmetics. That is, again, what I use. It is amazing. It does not go on my glass, and my glass still looks pretty and Instagrammable. Okay. What What is your website? Our website is www.magnawineboutique.com. Our wine collection has its separate home website, which is www.magnawine.com. Okay. So, so, so talk to me. So, talk to me about that. Talk me about. Talk to me about what you guys offer outside of your brick and mortar and just and and the wines. Talk to me about that. There's definitely so many things. So, of course, we're on our second location. Uh, our wines here are. Small family owned small, state bottle yeah. uh, exclusive wines that you shouldn't necessarily find like a big box store. So, here in the Cleveland area, of course, our big box stores are Acme, Target, Giant Eagle, Highlands, places that we Our wines won't be there. Uh, so, six of the seven continents are represented here. And we also, of course, have our Magna Wine Collection, newly released, which is our life's work. Our inaugural varietals are the Chardonnay Select, the Final Course Red, and the Gateway Red. Um, so outside of that, just really keep busy offering wine tasting. We offer a different type of events, of course, keeping social distancing and our guest safety at mm-hmm. top priority. So we don't you know, have a ton of guests coming in all at once. It's usually by reservation only. So that way we can curate an amazing experience while keeping people safe. Yeah, we also offer a private event space as well, so you can definitely get in contact with us on our website. If you have a small event you want to do, um, we posted weddings, yes, business wedding. pop-up shops, um, birthdays, of course, bridal showers, bridal engagements, engagements. Um, <laughs> I mean, you name it, we pretty much accommodate it, um, so feel free to reach out to us, yeah. and you'll have access to uh, either location. Uh, Sundays are for private events at our locations. We always say, like, you're a wish of our command. If we if we can do it and you want a wedding at Magna, which we have had, mm-hmm. then absolutely. If you want to propose to your girlfriend at Magna, which we have had, yeah. then absolutely. Because you work, directly, yeah, mm-hmm. you work directly <laughs> with me. It's not like a bunch of middlemen. Um, yeah. Event planning is my background. And, of course, weddings and officiating and things like that. So you work directly with someone who knows what they're doing as far as event coordination. Um, again, it's not a few middlemen in between. So when they email private events, it goes directly to me. And I work with them hand in hand, day in and day out, to make sure that their event is perfect. We did a karaoke night the other day for a birthday party, which was phenomenal. Uh, I had so much fun. I was singing and dancing behind my mask the entire time. Uh, but yeah, birthdays, all, all types of things. Yeah, um, and you can we're, yeah, we're excited yeah. for people. You want to come do a wedding with us? That's exciting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Opportunity, you know. So, I mean, when you reach out to us, you're dealing with us, and we really want to hear your ideas and see if we can next week. And if we can't, we're like, no, we cannot host sixty people, or <laughs> we cannot have a full blown dinner party and <laughs> things like that. Or yeah, we got some think, strange requests. Yeah, we, we have, and it's awesome because people are thinking of us. Um, but again, we won't string anybody along. We can't do it because we can't do it. If we can't do it, we will work day in and day out to make sure it's perfect for what we have. Do you all ship across country? 
Absolutely. Yes, yes, absolutely. of course. Yes, absolutely. We have a national Y Hub. Of course, our Y Hub mm-hmm. uh, is local as well. So each location has a Y Hub for local members. And then we offer a nationwide wine club. So we ship two bottles of wine directly to your door that are curated by Dre and I mm-hmm. and our sommelier. And that's really based off the seasonality. So we have a ton of nationwide members now and we ship them their wine. We have not had any complaints of the wine that we have chosen thus far. So we hope that continues. Uh, and then we also ship our Magna Wine collection. And you don't have to be a member to do that. You can just go right to our website. Um, ordering process is super easy, just like any other website. Add it to your cart, add your shipping, and we usually get that out the next business day or two. Nice, nice. Now, you can share as much as you want or you don't have to share, but can you talk to me about the concept and the business model of Magna? What are the margins? How do you advertise? What opportunities do you see in the market? You know, just if you if you want to, but I'm a business nerd, so I love this type of stuff. Okay, perfect. So our concept was created years ago um, and adjusted, of, of course, as you know, Dre and I change, as the industry changes and things like that. I'm very analytical, so I do a lot of research on just location, on, on, on pricing, on all types of certain different things or just industry in general. Um, so as we really nailed down the concept, we noticed, one, that our concept was very, very unique. People still, you know, don't understand exactly what we do. Even yeah. looking on our website or looking on our Instagram, they still call like asking certain questions because they really don't know, which is great for us. Yeah. That means you've never seen it. Fantastic. So Magna is a wine boutique and tasting room. So of course, boutique meaning um, shopping of boutique wines, tasting room, Napa Valley style, um, as well. So that's second technically. So wine boutique first, tasting room second. Um, as far as advertising and things like that, we have not done any paid advertising, so I can't even speak on that. Our advertising (laughs) specifically solely comes from word of mouth with our members, with our valued guests, with our very loyal guests. Um, we have not paid for advertising once, and I also think that because it is Dre and I and our passion shows through. That, that's almost easier to do. I mean, of course, we get approached to do paid advertising or yeah. even on Instagram, we'll do a post for $25. I'm like, no, thanks. Yeah. Someone's going to come in, they're going to enjoy their amazing experience, and they're going to post the bottle. They're yeah. going to say, shout out to mm-hmm. Trey or Trey or any of our other staff. They did such a great job. So, you know, and that really, I guess, kind of can't, can't speak of. So, and it almost goes back to what we said about our personal lives that always live within your means. So that also means with our business, you know, I'm not gonna over order wine. I stick to a budget um, and we, what's it called, um, forecast. We yeah, forecast, forecast the next out. week, the next mm-hmm. month, the next mm-hmm. quarter. Because we know our customer base. We yeah. know what you're looking to get, um, new customers. Um, we tell them all the time, like, hey, you guys drive the shelf life here. We have no other way of doing it. Mm-hmm. We make the first initial order when we open, and after that, week in and week out, whatever the customer just, buys, absolutely. that's what we get. And we keep acquiring new things. We'll see, okay, you might like 100% common area. Okay, good. So I'll order more common area from different regions so you're able to, to still try different things. Because we never want you to come in and get what you want. I want to give you what I think you should have. It's a different uh, Because yeah. if I what you want every single time. You'll never try. You'll buy. never try. Yeah, our if you like Hennessy, you will never buy. Yeah. <laughs> our concept is all about education. It's like yes. secretly educating people. Mm-hmm. Um, people leave out of our store just chatting. Like, oh, I learned too much, but that didn't seem like you were Professor Wiley. <laughs> I'm like, thank God. Because when I was, you know, and Professor Wiley, people, you know, of course, know that they're going into a lecture hall. Yeah. I want you to find just cool things that you'll take just from hopping into our store for five minutes grabbing a bottle of wine, you will learn something. Not on purpose, but you I mean, if you get rid of the live webcam, web chat that we're doing right now, we'll have the same conversation. Exactly. Same conversation. <laughs> it won't be any different. I'll be here with my glass of wine. We'll be talking about what your palate's like. I'll point you in the right direction of what yeah. I think you might want to have. And we'll continue yeah. to converse mm-hmm. after that. Yeah. This is us in the store. Mm-hmm. And I have <laughs> conversation in different ways, you know, 40, 50 times a day. Just because I'm very interested in getting people to try new wines, mm-hmm. because I know 
in, in our space, in our culture. Wine is not readily, not available, not readily talked about. People usually buy the first thing they see. And that's not something that I wanted to do. That's not something she wanted to do. When we introduced wine back in our community, we wanted to be wines that you haven't seen. Wines at a good price point. Wines that are very delicious and loving families behind those wines that People can really like push you to the table. Right? Exactly, yeah. And that's something I really wanted to push with people. So if you see a wine in here that's five, six, seven, eight, ten dollars, you have to know that that wine is coming from craftsmanship. It's not coming from mass production. So it's a different thing. Right. Yeah. Right. Now, <laughs> yeah, it'd be like a split. That's fine. Yeah, yeah, like that's fine. So let's say I had a wine brand, Finley Wines. Let's just say that. And I wanted to be in Magna. How would I go about it? Do I say, hey, Dre, we got a relationship. Put me in here and you would take a chance on me. Or do you say, hey, I got to try this out. It depends. Wine is bottled. Depends on what we need in the store. It doesn't depend on, am I willing to drop it off and do everything on consignment? Talk to me about how, if someone is a, someone that makes wines and wants to get into Magna, how will we do that? It is all of those things you said. So we um, pretty much break it down into three, three steps. So of course the importer, the rep, the individual entrepreneur person, you know, they reach out, um, or set up a meeting with Dre and or I um, to first taste your wine. Um, I do expect basically tech sheets, things like that to come prior to the meeting. So just come prepared to discuss your wine. Um, I do, of course, my own research. So we do not carry wines that are not registered, that yeah. are, we call them like bats of wines. Yeah. Wine Essentially are, illegal. Yeah. Illegal wine. through the proper <laughs> yes. Um, avenues to get your wine recognized yeah. by the state, then we will not take a chance, like you said, yeah. on anything that <laughs> is going to jeopardize. And we do get a lot of us. We get a lot of, yeah, especially ton, because we're yeah, young, you know, black couple mm -hmm. in the area. We get a ton. Yeah, there's of, a lot of yeah. people out there that make a lot of products that we had no clue they did mm -hmm. until you open up a facility like such and you'll see them come reaching out. Yeah. And then you're kind of taken aback, like, well, Where's your this, this, and this? Right. We want to make sure you're wine. I don't know what that yeah. is. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> we want to make sure you're wine, first of I'm all. I'm sorry, but we can, yeah, we can no yeah. longer continue we this conversation. We conversation because I, I have no idea what's in that bottle. Absolutely not. If the yeah. federal and state don't know about your wine, then absolutely not. So once we find out that you are absolutely legitimate to yeah. thumb up, mm -hmm. then you're able to meet with us uh, and discuss your wines. We absolutely taste everything that comes in our store. Um, so be able to walk through whether it is uh, tasting your wines or all that knowledge about your wines. Um, and then that third step is figuring out if it makes sense to carry that method. Mm -hmm. After we've done our research, after we've tasted your wines, if it makes sense to have your wines on the shelf as far as uh, your varietal or your region or, or where it's from, then absolutely. If you know those three steps are good and golden, then yes, absolutely. We'd love to carry you know wines that are craft, not commodities, that are farm, not factory, um, that have a story to it. And absolutely. Exactly. And speaking from a local standpoint, if you were to approach me, like you said, um, being somebody local, we have our own Ohio shelf in right. our store that represents nothing but Ohio brands. Mm -hmm. So I would look at that shelf and try to place you on that shelf. Mm -hmm. and we're nice. We talk directly to these winemakers. We talk directly to these winery owners. Um, you know, they, they come directly to us, a lot of the wineries in Ohio, and they can deliver those things. Um, and it's just really, you build a relationship afterwards. I don't expect someone to walk and go build a relationship and talk about the wine because wine is what our specialty is here. So once you, those three steps are good, then you start to build that relationship um, because people want to um, experience wine, you know, almost at their convenience. So if you can experience a certain winery, maybe in Geneva or Madison here, our goal is to say, all right, next Saturday, Go visit those wineries. They're amazing. We've been to them. We've been to them all. Every winery from our Ohio home section. Great. I have been to personally, yes. personally know the owner and or the winemaker and chat with them all the time. And we are behind those wines. We, we back those wines. We back all of our wines. Yeah. 
because the wine community is way more supportive than mm-hmm. a lot of other communities. So yeah. People don't think that either. So I think with a lot of other um, industries, it is uh, almost like they're, they butt heads. They butt heads. They're, they're in the same yeah, set. Yeah, they're in they competition. Push that person right. They want to make more than that person. If, yeah. If you notice wineries, they're always in clusters. They're always mm-hmm. like, yeah, where you guys going next? Or, you know, you yeah. want to bridge that. Oh, yeah. Right. You should try their Chardonnay. Delicious. You should try their Riesling. Last year was a great year for them mm-hmm. because it's more of It's more of a it's an art. Yeah, yeah. they don't say People like you're not farmers. going to have one. Like wine is about farming. <laughs> <laughs> so, and what a is, I've been in one reason the guy gets off his tractor all bad. He's making wine that can sell for three, four hundred dollars a bottle. He's a multi-millionaire. He gets off his tractor, he counts in with his money boots, <laughs> and he pours you something out of a bottle that's got no label on it. Yes. He's like, here, try this. I love that. This is amazing. This is amazing. And that's what wines truly are. So it's a means and a method to achieve something that lasts the test of time. Yeah. Because once you install a wine, once you install a winery, it becomes critically acclaimed. It doesn't go anywhere. It goes down from generations. Mm. How are you guys going to make sure that Magna goes on for generations? What's your long-term vision? <sighs> I would say the first sentence that comes to mind thing we always talk about is staying true to ourselves. Mm -hmm. We don't worry about what anyone else is doing as long as we stay true to to or what they're asking us to do. You should do this. (laughs) No, you should do that. (laughs) We're going to do this. It's it's about following what your step was. However you got to your point A, Mm -hmm. follow that same trajectory to your point B. C, D, E, F, and it goes on and on and on. If you start listening to outside uh, factors and what they want you to do when they've never even been in your business, that business, that sector, whatever the case may be, you will fall short of whatever your end goal is. Yeah, so we and will then, never deter, basically. No, we will we'll never deter um, from the Magmon Boutique vision. And until you come into our boutique, you won't, I guess, really understand it because there's nothing else like it. And so our long term goal of, is, of course, be sustainable throughout generations and generations. Um, have Magna Wine Boutiques all over the world. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that's really the long, long-term long goal. Yeah, really. We're not going to deter from that. Um, as long as, like I said, we stay true to what yeah. we originally set out to do, which was to provide great wines to good people and provide an atmosphere that is not intimidating, we will be fine. We will continue to strive. We will continue to be ambitious in our goals that we set for ourselves. This was great. <laughs> this was great. I, I feel like I'm just talking to you. So when you said that, Dre, yeah. I understood yeah. what you were saying. I feel like you would be saying the exact same thing. And, you know, you all project well. You can tell there's love and you can tell there's passion there. And business and personal, we really appreciate that. How would people get in touch with you? I would say the many, yeah, many ways, many but ways. Um, to see the yeah. most, to really be up to date on everything we have going on. Instagram, Instagram, mm-hmm. Instagram. Our Instagram is at Magna Wine Boutique, M A G N A W I N E B O U T I Q U E. I realize a lot of people don't know how to spell boutique. So <laughs> at so Magna Wine fun. Boutique, right, which is fine. So I get it to you. I don't even um, where you typically use. <laughs> right. So Magna Wine Boutique on Instagram, that will keep you updated on everything that we have going on. Yeah, for um, both locations. For both locations, absolutely. Yeah. We just have the one Instagram for both locations. Our wine collection does have its own Instagram, which mm-hmm. is Magna Wine Collection. Uh, Facebook mm-hmm. will be the second, I guess, tier of social media we use. And that, again, is just Magna Wine Boutique. And on Twitter, we are just now really gearing up on our tweets, uh, is at Magna Wine. They can always be old school and give us a call. Both of our phone numbers are on our website. Just click locations. Yeah. You'll be able to see our hours, our email address. You can even just hit the contact us and send us an email right from our website. It goes directly to me. So, I mean, there's infinite ways. Just don't knock on my door at home, but you can just knock on this door. You can absolutely find uh, I probably answer it at my home door. Like, hey, what do you want some wine? Uh, so <laughs> But yeah. yeah, absolutely. Any type of way that's most comfortable for our guests and our community, we you know, will get to you, whether it's phone, email, bird carrier, pigeon, Instagram, whatever. Yeah, if we don't catch you the first time around, one of our staff members would be glad to assist mm-hmm. you. They're some of the best people that work in that 
<laughs> we believe in them 100%. They can walk you through a wine journey as good as I can. So we never want that level to drop off from person to person. If you talk to somebody here at Magnum Wine Boutique, you're going to have mistakes. That's what we really try to strive for. Yeah. Because Brent and I can't be here every single day, every single moment. So we really try to make sure you have that magnet experience if I'm not here or yeah. here, John Dre or any anybody on our staff, anybody on our on our magnet team. How do you guys make sure that a marriage stays solid while building businesses? Put our marriage first and business mm-hmm. second. Period. Dot. End There's no other <laughs> way I can even think of to do it mm-hmm. but to put what you started off with first, which is yeah. your marriage. Um, you, I can't think of anybody in the history of time who's ever gotten together doing the business then got married. Then got married. You know, it's right. usually you're married, you decide to do something different in life and you guys try to achieve a goal together. As long as you remember you're trying to achieve that goal together, the marriage should never drop off. Yes. Our marriage is our foundation and it continues to be so we sometimes remind ourselves that we are partners in life first and partners in business second. Um, and as long as you know you're continuing to be reminded of that, um, I think everything else will come. And then, of course, like I had uh, previously mentioned, date nights, spending time with each other, um, we incorporate work into personal, uh, whether it's grabbing mm-hmm. a bottle of wine and enjoying it when we get home at dinner or when we're closing up, go to dinner and see what's on that restaurant's wine list. And, oh, we've never had this. Let's get a bottle of this. Um, incorporate it, too. It, it isn't black and white as far as business personal, but incorporating the two. You know, we have family that works for us, so we're able to continue to be around, you know, family and have all these different relationships, but they all intertwine. Everyone just wants, you know, to be a part. You know, if it's your yeah. birthday next week and you're my sister or, some, or someone, like, just know you're eating a bottle of wine. So yeah. <laughs> we just try to tie that up into everything and just keep our marriage, you know, family and things like that first and then business. Yeah, your question earlier was how do you, you know, ensure that things are generational? Well, that's part of the ticket is that you stay doing what got you there, which is being married, being having passion for one another before you go have passion for whatever product you're trying to, you know, um, get across. So I think that's very important. Never rely, I mean, never underestimate what your person is to you. And this is my person. Yes. So I love him more than I love our one. <laughs> I love mine. We did a lot of this one. We packaged it from top to bottom, but I love my <laughs> Makes sense. Last question. How do you build a team where you make sure that they that anyone that comes in has the magnet experience, like you said, Brendan? Trial and error. Yeah. <laughs> well, Trial. Business is all figuring, figuring it out. There's a lot yeah. of different personalities, yeah. a lot of different attitudes. There's a lot of different experience levels too. Yeah, true. experience levels, everything. So mm-hmm. what we look for are Quality human beings. You may not yeah. have that at all. You try to teach anything when it comes to whatever you're learning. I can't teach you how to be a genuinely nice human being. Mm-hmm. I can't teach you how to have a conversation with someone and not feel, you know, awkward or tense or yeah. anxious. So we look for just genuine, nice, happy people. Uh, that is really if you're one of those people. Feel free to apply anytime. Yeah. We're always looking for new staff because we're continually growing continually. <laughs> yeah. at a fast If rate. you are a good person, a nice person, and, and people say this all the time, if you're not genuine and portraying yourself to be some different, that, that person will always find out. So that's what I mean by trial and error. Mm-hmm. So people that are genuine to themselves, because who we hire, we want you to be yourself. We want you, of course, with the dress code to dress how you feel comfortable. We want you to give a speak about why how you feel comfortable. We want you to be you because people buy from you. Then they're like, okay, Brittany told me to try this. Like if I came in like, what do you want? (laughs) So finding that dude, Dre and I's personality, so we have very different personalities, but when it comes to wine and because of business, we did what you see is what you get, you know. You'll get this, like Drake said, if you were here with us in person. Right. So you guys are looking for yourselves because I can tell you guys are true to yourselves. You guys are honest. You guys are good people. 
And I think that's a great way to stop. We, we really wish you the best. Really, really do. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for just giving us the opportunity to, um, to be here with you today, especially with all this stuff going on in the world. Yeah. I'm sad that this is yeah, over. Yeah, finding ways. Right. Sounds good. I really appreciate talking to you guys. Thank you a lot. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Here's to you, man. Cheers. Cheers. Right. Cheers. Hey guys, episode's over. Thank you for listening. It would mean the world to us if you left a review. So please go on iTunes and leave a review to let us know how we're doing. Catch you on the next episode.